0: John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God.
1: Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth.
0: Father, we do just come before you. We pray that you would speak to us. God, that you would make your word real and alive to us. Cause our hearts and our minds to not only understand, but to receive what this message means to me and how it's supposed to affect my life today. So, Father, speak to us now, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. All the Green said, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, have you ever been going somewhere and you got off course? Meaning, you know where you wanted to go, but you changed your course thinking you were going to somehow save time. We call it a shortcut. Now, me personally, I love shortcuts, for they can save us all kinds of time, especially when you're driving around Los Angeles, I am the king of shortcuts, by the way. You know, I cut through neighborhoods. I drive down back alleys. Anything I can do to shave just a little bit of time off of my trip from one side of the city to the other side. And, you know, there is no street that's safe as long as I got my iPhone with my GPS on it. I mean, I'm always looking, okay, I can cut over here. Get out of this traffic line. But every now and then, my personal shortcut is a bust. It doesn't work out so good because you know you go into these unchartered territories and anything can happen. A street can be a dead end, a roadblock can appear, or the road could just end up being a nightmare. I remember this one time we were on vacation and I, I was looking on the map. Now this is before GPS here. okay? So I'm looking at the map and it appeared to be a straight destination line to where we were going. And and I'm looking at the freeway that we run, and it looped way up and around. And I'm thinking, well, why in the world would I go looping around here when I can go as the bird flies? Well, what I didn't realize was this, that the road that I took ended up going up and over a mountain. And the road was full of hairpin turns, and I don't think the speed limit ever exceeded 35 miles an hour. So instead of my shortcut saving me an hour, ended up costing me three hours This only happens to me. And ladies, I know you're thinking this. Yes. My wife did say, why don't we just do what the map says? (laughs) I'm like, no. I know this better than the map. Anyway. Okay. And then I remember that time that I went to Disneyland right after they opened up Indiana Jones. Right. You know, and I'm looking at it and it's like, you know, there's like a cave thing and the people were kind of lined up outside and then it kind of went 30 people into like the tiki room or something. I thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and jump in line now. I want to go on this new ride. And plus, once we get into the little cave thing, it'll probably happen real quick after that point. Well, four hours later, you know, I finally got on the ride. That's when you realize that at this pace, my whole day at Disneyland is going to be wrapped up with three rides. So what does it cost to get in Disneyland? was it, like 100 bucks? Okay, so, you know, when it's busy, you end up going on three rides. That's like $33.50 a ride. I mean, this is ridiculous. And then you end up dropping 25 bucks for the worst lunch you've ever had in your life. Do I sound a little bitter here? <laughs> it's because I am. But I feel much better now. I just like, like to vent on things like that. But anyway, the point is this. No matter where we go, we must know where we're going whether we're on vacation or just going somewhere for the day. And in life, there are many roads that we can go down. There are many different paths. There are many different pursuits that we can follow. I wonder, what path are you on today? What are you pursuing? What course are you on? What course are you following? Because in times past, many have pursued many different paths. Some are more noble than others, of course. For example, you know, in 1901, there was a gal named Annie Taylor. She was the first person in the world to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Anybody been to Niagara Falls? That water, when you're standing there on the edge and you're looking at that water, it's like, I don't want to be on anything going over that edge. But anyway, she did it. And what did she have as advice after she survived that fall? She said this, quote, don't do it. Don't do it. And for the next 15 people that didn't listen to her advice, 10 of them succeeded and five of them died. And there's, you know, and there's, of course, much other things that people do that are more noble than, you know, doing something stupid like that, you know. And, you know, some people stay on a course uh, to benefit all of humanity, and that's good. Consider Sir Alexander. In 1929, he discovered penicillin, and he did it by chance. Because he had noticed that there was mold growing, and where mold was growing, bacteria around it faded. Now, it took him 11 years for him to develop this, but he ended up winning the Nobel Peace Prize for medicine with two other doctors who helped him and assisted him in doing this. But see, this is why people like me will never become famous. Because when I see mold, I don't study it. I throw it away. Okay. But that's just me. But then there's other people that are driven to do outrageous things. They want to be known for something that most other people will never do. Like Dr. Weathers. He's a 49 year old surgeon from Dallas, Texas. Now he was an amateur mountain climber, but he was obsessed. With the ultimate challenge, he wanted to climb Mount Everest, which happens to be the, the highest mountain on the face of the earth. The elevation of Mount Everest is 29,029 feet. And on May tenth, nineteen 1996, his dream came true. Yet for Dr. Weathers, it soon turned into a nightmare when a wicked snowstorm hit the mountain. He was injured and he laid unconscious. As many of the other people on his expedition actually died because they couldn't get down from the mountain. But miraculously, he woke up and he just kept driven on that course to get down. He finally made it down to one of the base camps at 20,000 feet where his wife hired a helicopter to go up there and get him. Now that surgeon ended up losing his right hand part of his left hand, along with most of his nose, from the frostbite. Yes, some people will pursue the craziest things in life to, quote, I guess, find themselves or to somehow find satisfaction in this life. But understand, there is no greater course that a Christian could ever pursue than to know the course in the direction of God's perfect plan for us. For we all have a purpose. Did you know that? God has a purpose for each and every one of us. There is a reason that we were created. And it wasn't to just fulfill some personal desire that you have. For there is something that is so much bigger than us. So much greater than anything that we could ever accomplish on our own. And that's to have an eternal impact. Listen. On the culture that we live in. We are to touch the lives of those around us. We are to change the course in the direction of those who are aimlessly wandering in this life. Those who have become disillusioned with life itself. And those who are just wondering, is there something more to this life than I have personally witnessed myself? I like how God called Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1. Because the first thing he tells them in verse 5 is he says, Look, I formed you in your mother's womb. See, every single one of us are formed in our mother's womb. It's like, what brought those cells together? What caused bones to grow? What caused a heart to start beating at somewhere around four and four and a half weeks? How did that happen? Because God created us. And while we were being formed so small, so tiny, God had a purpose and a plan for us. So he tells Jeremiah, look, I formed you and you're going to speak for me. Well, that's when Jeremiah said, no, God, that's a bad idea. Because, look, there's multiple reasons. Look, I'm just a youth. Look, I got pimples on my face. They haven't even created proactive yet. You know, no one's going to listen to me. Come on. And God says, don't tell me you're a youth because you're going to go where I send you and you're going to speak the words I tell you to speak. Wow. You know, and guess what? That's what Jeremiah did. He listened. What if he wouldn't have listened? Well, guess what? God would raise up somebody else. So the book of Jeremiah would be called the book of Harry or something. I don't know. Because it would have been someone else. But Jeremiah listened and he rose up and he went where God told him to go. Yes, a lot of people are seeking for something more. Especially with all the craziness that is surrounding us now. 130 people murdered by radical Muslims in the ISIS attack in Paris, France last week. Belgium's under the highest terror alert they've ever been under in a country because they feel there's something that's going to happen there. In Mali, on Friday, at a Radisson hotel, it was attacked, and 19 were murdered just last Friday. Again, radical Muslims. Yesterday, Boko Haram, another radical Muslim group, sent out four suicide bombers yesterday, Saturday morning, in Cameroon, and, and, and they blew themselves up. And then, of course, since last January, Boko Haram has killed over 3,500 people. And ISIS is calling for tax attacks now in America. Really? What's happening? Why all of this chaos? Why is this happening? Well, the reason why it's happening is because when men collectively around the globe, all together have rejected their creator, they've rejected and excommunicated God, just like we have here in America. We cannot pray here. We cannot use the name of Jesus. We are sterilizing every government building from any crosses or any references to the Bible, especially the Ten Commandments. Yes, I could say for sure that the world collectively, the majority, has abandoned God. We've ostracized Him. We've rejected Him. See, this is what we've done. And now we're paying the price for man governing man. Because man has this grandiose dream inside that we're all going to just be able to live together and hold hands and peace and safety to everyone. But see, what they don't realize is they're an enemy. He comes in and he affects the minds of other people. And he comes inside. And there's always going to be that person that's going to want to rob you, break into your house. There's always going to be that person that wants what you have. that don't want to work. They just want to take your stuff. And that's what's going to happen all over the world. There's always been those people all over the world. That's where the Hitlers come from, the Mussolinis, the Stalins, all of those people. There's always going to be someone that's going to want to take what everyone else has. And that's what's happened in the world today. And now you've got this group of people that are radicalized. Now, why are they radicalized? Well, because the Quran says, you know, until there's not going to be world peace until all the infidels are gone. Well, who are the infidels? Well, the infidels are those who do not, do not accept the Quran. So if you don't accept and become a Muslim, you're an infidel and you have to die. So every Muslim is only a step away becoming radicalized. Why? Because if you're going to get deeper into your religion, that's where it's going to lead you eventually. So this is what happens. And so it's like, it's crazy here, but that's where we find ourselves today. But what are we to do? What are we that have embraced Jesus Christ as our savior? Well, for the first thing that we're supposed to do is we're not to fear. We are not to fear. We are not to stay home and pull the sheets up over our head and say, I'm not even going out of the house. What has God called us to do? God has called us to rise up. This is why we're alive today. God has purposes in our lives. We're to stand up and point to a fallen world and we're to point them back to the Creator. Back to a place where they can find hope. Back to the only place where we can find the true meaning of life. When Jesus sent out his disciples to share his message of hope to those who were lost, he said this to them in Matthew 10, verse 28. He says, do not fear. Do not fear. It's in a command sense. He goes, I want to tell you guys, do not fear those who can kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So he said, look, Don't fear anyone that can take your life. Listen, the Bible has all kinds of promises. There's promises for eternal life. Come to know Christ, your sins can be forgiven. You can come to know Christ, you can live forever. You know, the Bible has promises of hope, has promises of joy, has promises of peace. All kinds of promises. We don't have to fear fear itself. We don't have to fear anything. But one promise is not in the Bible. You know what that promise is? Life, how long it will go here. Oh, we got eternal life, but the life that we live in this physical life, this is temporal. The Bible says your life is like a drop in a bucket. Your life is like a vapor. We could be here today and gone tomorrow. We have no guarantee on how many days we will live. Listen, we might not die through ISIS and them doing some kind of ravaging here. We might die from someone that runs a red light, someone that's driving drunk. We can die from many different things, but we could die at any given moment. And that's why Jesus says, do not fear death, because it's going to happen. It's not like, it's never going to happen. Oh, in the event that you might perish one day. No, we're all going to die one day. It's appointed for each man and each woman to die. But after this comes judgment. We're not to fear death. When we die, we die. But Jesus said, fear the one that you face after you die. Because if you face God, and you don't have Christ in your heart as your Savior, you're in big trouble. Big trouble. Because you will be judged for your sin, and you will be sent directly to hell to be in a place of everlasting torment forever, forever and ever, a time without end. That's the one that you fear." Yes, we are living in perilous times, surrounded by uncertainties, but this is exactly what Jesus said would happen. In the end, one of the main timepieces that God has always used in the Bible to kind of keep people on track of where we are in the scope of humanity is His own people, His chosen people. Israel, Jerusalem, He always keeps that as a timepiece, And this is what Jesus said would happen, and you'll know that you're living in the last days. He said this in Luke 21.20, He says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies then recognize that her desolation is near and what do we have we're in jerusalem today where is israel surrounded by enemies on every side every side one thing that the muslims hate more than each other is they hate israel and i we have the ayatollah of iran and the president of iran saying we are going to destroy israel of course, we go over there and sign a peace agreement with them, thinking that, what, this is going to stop them from having nuclear power? This is ridiculous. They have made it clear they are going to destroy Israel. Nobody wants Israel over there. Now they're coupled together with Syria, all of these other things. Now they have their ally, Russia, who hates Israel. They're in with uh, Syria now. They're coming alongside of uh, President Assad there. It's like, this is crazy. The whole thing is against Israel. Israel. And Jesus says, when you see this, know it's coming to an end soon. Now, Jesus could come back in the next 22 minutes. He could come back in the next 22 days, 22 months, 22 years. I don't know. But one thing I know is if you take the whole of human existence, we are at the end of the end. And that's how we know that. Then Jesus went on to say this, talking about the end in Luke twenty-one, twenty-eight. He says, but when these things begin to take place, when you see the uncertainties of life, when you see the world coming against Israel, he says, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Oh, it's going to be soon. And the heavens will split open and Jesus will come back once again. And he will step his foot down on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives overlooks the Kidron Valley into the old wall City of Jerusalem. I wish, I hope all you can go on our trip because we're at the base of Mount, the Mount of Olives is the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus sweated major drops of blood right before they came and got him to crucify him. But it's just unbelievable. But that's where Jesus will step foot down when he comes back. But of course, when that happens, we will be with him at that point. But yes, we are living in troublous times, to say the least. Yet, it's exciting times. This is exciting for the believer. And we as Christians need to stay our course. We need to stay focused. We need to stay alert and awake, realizing this is the end. We need to be counted in our faith we need to stand up we need to take people that are around us that are worried and a little freaked out about what's happening with terrorism all around the world and it's not just all around the world it was just two weeks ago that that radical muslim went up in this little university college up here in merced california and stabbed a bunch of people you know this is not happening just like someplace else it's happening here also but today, as we continue in our study through the book of Acts, we will enter into this little mini-series, as I said before, called Bound with a Mission. For the Apostle Paul was focused on his real purpose. He was concentrated on God's will, and he, devoted, he was devoted to his personal calling from God. Now, we will consider three points in light of our title, Knowing Our Course. Number one, words of encouragement. Because that's what Paul did. He was always giving words of encouragement. Number two, no time to snooze. We can't fall asleep during this time. There's no time to snooze. And number three, we need to finish our course. Let's look at our first point here, words of encouragement, as we read, starting here in Acts chapter 20. We'll pick up in verse 1. Now it says, After the uproar had ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and when he had exhorted them and taken his leave of them, he left to go to Macedonia. Now when he had gone through those districts, he had given them much exhortation, and then he came to Greece. And there he spent three months. And there was a plot formed against him by the Jews as he was about to sail for Syria. And he decided to return through Macedonia. Now, verse 4 talks about all these different people that he he gathered together so that he could meet with them and encourage them. And in verse 5, he says, but these had gone on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. Waiting for us. Who's us? It's the guy that's writing the book here. Who wrote the book of Acts? It was Luke. So Luke was actually, you know, Matthew, Matthew. Mark, Luke, and John. Luke was with Paul during this time right here. Verse 6, We sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came to them at Troas within five days, and there we stayed seven days. Okay, we'll stop there for a moment. Well, as you remember from our last study in Acts chapter 19, we left off with a huge riot that was happening there in Ephesus. Now, it was brought on by Demetrius, the silversmith. And he was against Paul, for he was, Paul was preaching that gods that were made with hands were not really gods at all. And we saw in Ephesus how they, uh, they had the temple there of the great goddess, supposedly Diana. And those who made these images of Diana to sell for people to worship her. Now, these guys were going out of business. Why? Because the people were turning from worshiping this make-believe goddess Diana to receiving Jesus as their savior and worshiping the only true God. See, there's only one God. And it's Jesus who came to this earth. He was fully man, flesh and blood like you and me, but yet he was fully God. Now, see over here on the corner over here by, uh, you know, uh, Del Taco here, you have Jehovah's Witnesses with their little rack set up with their little watchtower information that they can hand out people and everything and what have you. You know, and the main... Problem with Jehovah's Witnesses? Well, there's all kinds of problems. They don't believe that there's a literal hell. You know all of these things. You don't believe in blood transfusions. There's all kinds of issues that you could take up with them. But really, their biggest issue in doctrinal sense is they strip Jesus Christ of his deity. Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus was God Himself. How does that work? Well, I'm not really sure, but that's what the Bible teaches. Okay, you have God the Son. You have God the Father, you have God the Spirit, and all three of this is one God, but yet they work in three different, you know, personalities and identities, okay? When we get to God in heaven and we see him in his glory, we'll understand how this works, but it doesn't change the fact that this is what is taught from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. It's taught in Genesis where it says, let us make man in our image. Well, who's he talking to? Let us Make man in our image. Well, he's not talking to the angels because we're not, you know, made in the image of an angel. So the Jehovah's Witnesses say, oh, you have to have Jesus Christ in your heart as your Savior. Sounds so nice. Sounds so right. The only problem is their Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible because their Jesus is Michael the archangel. So if you're Jehovah's Witnesses, you didn't just ask Jesus in your heart. You asked Michael the Archangel into your heart. Well, guess what? Michael the Archangel didn't come down and die on a cross for you. God himself, the creator of the universe, came and died for his creation himself. And that's why the Bible says that Jesus is the fullness of deity in bodily form. Deity means the Godhead. He's the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. John 1 -1 says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God.
1: Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting CORE CHURCH LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California 90034.